0: Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Martha. And our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by celebrating our stories and what our babies have overcome. Whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone.
1: Hi, mamas, and welcome back to the Dear NICU Mama Podcast. It's your hosts, Martha and Ashley. Here we are. We're all living. I think, I think I'm think i about 20%. No other right. explanation needed. I'm at 20%. How about but you? you?
0: But you look like 100%. I'm seeing your picture on the oh, webcam. And girl, you're rocking that brick sweatshirt.
1: Thank you. I'm wearing our dear Nikki mama. Um, which one is this one that's?
0: Be proud of who you've become. Be proud of who
1: you've become. We'll link it in the show notes. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And I want everybody here to know that my hormonal acne is clearing up. I know everybody was wondering about that. We all were wondering. So no more pimple patches? Well, not for like this week. Oh, I think you posted about it recently, but like that thing about when you're not trying to get pregnant, you don't want, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like still your body is like. Hee hee, we're still having like you're still ovulating. Ha 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 ha. You know. <laughs> yeah, what you gonna do this month? <laughs> yeah, it's a real yeah. jerk, if you ask me. Um, anyway, well, friends, I, we're hope that you're getting through it. I can't believe we're we've got through this year of of uh, quarantining and, and it seems like there's maybe a rainbow coming up soon for everybody. So I hope so. And our rainbow today is our very special guest, Sarah Byron. Hello. Do you want to say hi? Hi. So hi, mama's- everybody. Mamas, you know that uh, often we'll have the chance to interview um, past and present Nikki mamas about their journeys, and and that's why we have Sarah on today. Um, she has a terrific story she's going to share about about her son Mason and her journey to get him here safely. And also, we have the astute pleasure of having Sarah on our editorial team. <sighs> Oh my gosh, it's an honor. It's my honor, please.
0: We love having you on the team so much. We were so excited when you were like excited about it. And so we we just love having you on the team. You're so special to us.
1: I love being a part of this team. Yeah, I do feel like... Gosh, it's like, it's now like Ashley has like a, the Avengers or something like that. Yes, I do. <laughs> right. Like, so you're definitely Iron Man. And Sarah, <laughs> Sarah, you're getting off Captain America vibes, like straight <laughs> up. Thank you. I'll Captain America that. vibes. Yes. <laughs> I will. I refuse to say who the Hulk is, but <laughs> probably me. Um, but. I, I, all this to say is that there's such a great team and you're, and Ashley is, and I are very particular about the individuals that we want to be representing dear Nikki mama and out in the world. And so, um, it, when Ashley said, I think the Sarah person is going to be a terrific fit. I knew that you were special.
2: Thank you. I haven't gotten through it yet. I'm going to start crying already.
1: (laughs) Well,
0: and the reason that we first connected with you, Sarah, was because you had wrote a letter for us Mm -hmm. and we adored the letter. We adored just your story and who you are and then just following you on Instagram, just your bubbly personality, but also just empathetic personality too, just drew us in. And so it's so, so special to have you on the team. So our guests are very, very lucky today to get to hear your story, but not all of them have had the privilege of knowing you. So do you want to say hi and where you're from? Hi,
2: everybody. I'm Sarah. I am... A new Floridian. I was living <laughs> in New York for my whole life, and now I am new to Florida, so <laughs> we are here.
0: You are here. Yes. You've traded the downtown city walks for beach walks. <laughs> I, have You know, I'm not complaining.
1: <laughs> <mine>? Yeah. <laughs> You've traded um, New York City garbage humidity for <laughs> Florida. Oh, my gosh. I don't think I'll ever get that scent out of my... <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. well I think it always as um our dear friend uh from the sound of music would say it's best to start at the very beginning um and I guess you know it, uh, coming to the journey of being pregnant is always its own thing right we have so many moms who have a variety of ways um that they became to be pregnant but but how did you find out you were pregnant with mason were you trying
2: so I. It was actually, everything came a lot sooner than I thought, sooner than my husband thought. Um, Mason was planned. We, long story short, my husband came home and he said, honey, I think we are at the point of our relationship of our marriage uh, to start having a family to which I started hysterically crying happy tears. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> just, I mean, Karen, if you want to have a family with me, he's like, I married you. I'm like, no, I know that, but it's just (laughs) when you say it, it just makes it feel really special. Um, And um, I am very grateful that it happened so soon. Um, We actually had a long conversation beforehand saying, like, hey, you know what? This could take a month, three months, a year. Uh, We may need to, you know, seek some help afterwards uh, if we keep on trying. And it just happened really fast. Um, I mean, I I, we, I just got pregnant. Like, it, <laughs> it just happened very quickly, um, which actually scared me, to be completely honest. Right. Yeah. Um, just because I think I was preparing in my mind, you know what? I told myself, okay, you know, it might not happen for three months and it might not happen for six. And I kept telling myself that. And then within the first month, I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I was so scared. Um, I mean, because now all of a sudden, it's not just, you know, it's not just me in the car anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, so I feel very fortunate that I got pregnant so fast. Um, And then I was very nervous, very, very fast. Um, I... Didn't want to. I mean, again, I was in New York City, so it's not really the most ideal place to be pregnant, just because everybody is so close together and moving very fast. And the job that I had at the time required for me to be on my feet and on the go all the time. Um, and I was nervous. And then in that first trimester, uh, for my, uh, you know, my decision and his decision as well was, you know, what we're gonna keep this just between us and our immediate family until we're ready to be a little bit more certain that this pregnancy will move forward. And keeping that in that whole time was hard because, you know, I had the nausea, I had the, <laughs> any scent that went by me and speaking of that New York city humidity, garbage, <laughs> scent, um, all of that was uh, pretty grotesque to say the least um I am not a vegetarian but during my pregnancy I became a vegetarian so that was new um my son wouldn't let me stomach any type of like chicken meat fish any of that and I I love all that and I couldn't have any of that um and then trying to explain to my coworkers, you know what I'm really tired but I can't tell you why Mm. Or, you know, or like I'm running to the bathroom a few more times a day than usual and I can't tell you why, it's a little hard. Uh, but again, I was really grateful for it because I knew that if I kept taking care of myself, kept just following what my body wanted, what my baby wanted, that I would have this baby at the end of the of the end of the road. Um But yeah, it was, it was a very easy pregnancy for the most part. The one thing that happened during my pregnancy that I had never known um, was that I had cysts on my ovaries Mm. and I found this out during my very first uh, ultrasound um, at the, like a fetal evaluation unit. Mm -hmm. And the doctor even looked at me and they go, "Did you know that you have cysts on your ovaries?" To which I, I'm a sap. Like I'm, I'm very emotional. I hit that my husband is the calm one in our relationship, and I <laughs> am a full-on tropical storm. Um, <laughs> so I start crying, and of course my husband couldn't be there that day. Oh. So I'm sitting there crying alone, and then the doctor looks at me and he goes, "Well, he goes, and I." You know, looking back on it, I think to myself, you know, I didn't know any better, but at the same time, I wish that I had known about this uh, because the doctors then said, well, sis, but we also need to get you, a, you need to get an MRI because they are tumors. So we want to make sure that that they're benign or if they're not, we need to figure out what to do. So I'm like, first you're telling me the cyst, And then the word tumors. I am not a yeah. medical doctor. I have no medical oh. healthcare professional, any, any of that experience. So him throwing the word, all I heard was tumor. And I lost it. Right. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Of course. Awful. Yeah. It was, yeah. So then we had to go get the MRI. I had to see specialists. And basically, by the time my second trimester, uh, my second, yes, yeah, uh, trimester came, they said, your cysts are so large that they are om- they're actually past the point that your ovaries can twist. They are at the point now where they are weighing so down, so hard on your ovaries. It is as if you have two oranges sitting on your ovaries. And I go, and of course, I put the blame on myself. How could I have not known this? Mm. And they said, well, you would have only known if you had been in such sharp pains during your menstrual cycle, which, you know, I would have my pain, I would have my cramps and things like that, but I was like, I'm Okay. I'm okay. I didn't know this whole time. Apparently these cysts have been growing for years. They mm-hmm. said from the looks and the size of these, you've had these since you were young, like a oh, child.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: And sometimes they can spike apparently during pregnancy. They said, we'll never know. You would only know if you had gotten an ultrasound prior to this. And I said, I've never had an ultrasound until I've been pregnant. So yeah, I, right? I don't know. Yeah. So then they said, well, there's two options. We can operate on you while you're pregnant. Oh my gosh. Or you can wait it out and have them either removed if you need a C-section for delivery or you can get them removed after your son is born. But you'll have to wait for your body to heal a little bit and then come back for surgery. Mm. So I'm sitting there being like, so I either operate on my body, right? I have an operation now when I'm still pregnant. Mm. which they said they would have to go around the womb where mason was and try and drain them but if they birth then they have to do a whole clean out um and i was really scared and uh we saw a couple of specialists because in personally i always am a strong believer in second opinions um and both of them, though, said both doctors said, you know, if you're not feeling the symptoms, which are this like insanely sharp pains, um, to the point that you can't stand, or that you're you're just it's it's beyond uh, what you can withstand. You can wait, but understand that the risk here is that if they burst while you're pregnant, you can get an infection, your baby can get an infection. Oh. So I'm like. Okay, so while everybody is which I, I was very happy during my pregnancy, aside from that, I loved being pregnant. I loved mm-hmm. I embraced my pregnancy. I enjoyed it and I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Um, but there was always that little note in the back of my head and the worry all the time of that at any time yeah. first. And I asked, you know, is there anything I can do to keep that from happening? And they said, no, it can it can just happen. you can be picking something up. you can be walking he can be sleeping. It can just happen. And I'm like, "Oh my okay, so I was pretty much in fear for that whole time. Just thinking like, am I doing the responsible thing? I'm not, you know, he's not even born yet. And I'm already thinking, am I doing the responsible thing for my baby? Am I making the right choices? And I decided to hold out. Luckily they did not burst. Um, But that was something that we had to deal with after he was born which I had mm. to wait for my body to heal. And then three months later, I
0: had to go back in for surgery. So that was so, that was bad. So when you went back in then, had they grown anymore in size or had they stayed? They,
2: they did grow. They actually grew. They continued to grow uh, quite rapidly throughout my whole wow. pregnancy. Uh, and it was really weird seeing them on the ultrasound because they had pushed everything you know, the, ba- the baby takes up space, yeah. So everything got pushed. So then they had me almost like kind of trying to lean on my side because they had to keep finding them to measure them, and they got pushed almost around to like my back.
1: Wow. Very,
2: very bizarre. Uh, it was bizarre, and they were trying to figure out like how c- could you not have felt this? Uh, yeah. And I, I said, I go, I don't, I don't know what the level of pain I'm supposed to gauge. Right. Oh, well, I right. didn't know about them. Wow. Um, and then after I had the, uh, surgery, it was hard cause I couldn't hold Mason, uh, mm. for a couple of weeks. So now I have like my little, by then he was, yeah, he had just hit around three months and he's staring at me and you're like, right. I want to hold you. I'm here. And, and not being able to hold him. Uh, mm. It was, it was almost like when you're in the NICU and you can't yeah, hold them.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm. Wow. So that was that. Yeah. I think that, I mean, first of all, I've never heard of such a thing before. And of course, and I'm guessing you hadn't either, right?
2: No, I had no idea. Yeah. And they're throwing all those, you know, you're, I was in the moment, you're just thinking about your baby. I was thinking about my baby. I was thinking about, like, okay, the doctor just said a few words to me that I really don't like. Um, And now I have to go in for an MRI. So that was a whole other thing. And then once they determined that they were benign, um, that was a big release. And then for the rest of my pregnancy, it was just a matter of wondering, like, could they burst now?
1: Right. You know, yeah. like,
2: I would try and be as careful as I could, but the doctor would still tell me, like, it, it could happen at any
1: time. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, so much to carry. Yeah. As, as incredibly unique as, as your circumstances were. It does remind me of of a lot of what we hear our community say, and I'm sure you've heard this too, Sarah, which is the the feeling of having no control over your own body. And then your body is also doing this incredibly, is like the home to your baby. So it's like, you can't escape that, that feeling of not being in control.
2: Right. And people, and it was, it was tough too, because people, you know, who didn't know, because I didn't tell a lot of people about it just because like you don't want to get into it like you don't want to have to be like I don't want to seem like I'm complaining about my pregnancy I don't want to seem like I'm that complaining pregnant woman Mm -hmm. and at the same time I'm thinking about it I'm like well but these things happen yeah and you know people come up would come up to me when I was pregnant and they would say things like oh you look great Wow, you're carrying so well. And inside, I'm just like, please go away. I'm having a panic right now and I'm nervous all the time. I wasn't sleeping mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> Mason is very active at night, as I, I hear a lot of babies are. He is my one and only. Um, so,
1: but uh, I mean, it was that fear yeah. all the time. So. This was your experience as you were going through. It sounds like you were seeing a lot of specialists too, like the entire time. Yes. So
2: I had to go in for more ultrasounds than I guess the, I'm using quotes here, normal uh, pregnancy, um, just because they had to monitor the growth of them. If they had gotten too big and if they thought, hey, they're taking up some real estate that your baby needs, then they will have to come out. Or if we're noticing that maybe your ovaries are starting to twist. And it was crazy that I had gotten past the risk of them twisting to the point of them basically saying like, you're not having the right amount of fluid uh, flowing through and everything going through your ovaries that needs to be. So I'm like, okay, so they they were always going through and every time it, you know, it was disheartening to hear after each visit, like, oh, they have grown a little bit more. And you're wondering like, well, if there's something I can take to help, but they're like, well, we have to be careful because you're pregnant. And I'm like, okay, well, okay. So I can't take anything. So I will just kind of sit here like a waiting duck
0: and hope that nothing happens. Well, and when you think about it too, it's pretty miraculous that you conceived Mason so quickly. Cause I know that sometimes cysts on ovaries can really prolong, you know, the ability to conceive. And so the fact that mason was conceived so quickly it's, it's pretty miraculous considering
2: it was no it definitely was the i was asked um by one of the doctors we had met with um just just to get an idea of maybe how long we were trying and when i told them i was like it it happened within the first month uh, they were pretty surprised too they were surprised i didn't feel any pain after years of this happened that's just apparently growing Uh, They were surprised that I uh, just became pregnant so fast. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: So it comes to his delivery day, and you'd had months and months and months of just kind of waiting, worrying, hoping. And so how was his delivery when he arrived into the world? It was completely unexpected.
2: I was at what I thought would have been my last ultrasound it, before he was born. I, I said to my husband, you need to be there. You have to be at this ultrasound because the next time uh, is when Mason should be physically in our arms. And it turns out it happened to be that same uh, within the next 24 hours of that day. We were not expecting that at all. My husband had his, uh, he was in his workloads. He was going to go straight to the office afterwards. <laughs> I had my little tiny purse with me because I was planning on just like going home after that and I it was our wedding anniversary
1: <laughs> oh, <gasps> oh my goodness so my oh, I bet you were so such a beautiful bride i <laughs> okay oh my God
0: yeah Sarah, you're so pretty we're like actually staring at you
1: can at we you. put can we post um Sarah's wedding pictures in the description oh, gosh, of so the now. podcast? <laughs> Yes, we can. <laughs> my hair was much longer then, but um,
2: thank you. Uh, but it was, it was our wedding anniversary. And we don't, um, my husband and I don't really like to, like, really super splurge on anything, especially when you're preparing to have a child. Right. Um, so you're kind of just like, everybody's trying, you know, we're trying to save. Uh, but for our wedding anniversary, we're always like, let's just have a really nice dinner. And then that's it. Um, so he actually had brought like a separate, like, like a fancy, like dinner clothes and like a garment bag with him. And then he had his like work bag and I had my little purse. And I was planning on going home and, you know, planning out a nice outfit for my anniversary. And, uh, it did not go that way. Um, so during the ultrasound, you know, she's there, the, um, Tech was measuring my ovaries, and then uh, I'm to myself, okay, she's measuring those, and then she started measuring the cysts, and I'm waiting to hear about how much they've grown, and she doesn't say anything, and I'm kind of like, well, that's kind of weird. Maybe she'll just tell me at the end, and she kind of has, like, a very, like, tensive look on her face and I'm watching her and I'm looking at the monitor and again you know I'm kind of like okay I kind of know what the colors mean but I don't really know like <laughs> what the le- where should I be concerned because she got very quiet mm-hmm. um and then she kind of she just looks at me she goes have you been drinking a lot of water oh. and I I looked at her and I I go I yes I it's it is now August. I have been drinking more water than I ever have in my life because I'm pregnant and it's summer in the city. And she goes, I'll be right back. And before she leaves, my husband looks at her and he goes, wait, wait, wait. He goes, no, no, he goes, what's going on? And she looks, she goes, there's, there, there's no fluid. Um, and she goes, I need to get a doctor right away she may have the baby today oh my gosh and I'm just laying there with like you know the the jelly on my belly <laughs> and I'm like uh, and I I was I was speechless. and the doctor comes in and he's looking he goes so we need to get you on a, a fetal monitor uh your baby is basically swimming in close to nothing wow which is not good um he goes Has did he and he, you know, did a check and he goes, your water hasn't broken. I go, no, I don't. Also, know what that would feel like. It's my first pregnancy, and I go, and now I'm starting to get nervous. So I'm like, okay, what? So what am I doing? And he goes, we're just going to bring you over to this other area. You're going to get a fetal monitor, and we're just going to see, uh, because there's a, you know, there's a chance that your baby could be, uh, in distress. And I said, okay. So my husband goes to the waiting area and on the way over, um, the doctor had asked, you know, have you been leaking? And I go, well, I'm pregnant. Isn't that like kind of a thing that just happens? Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like, honestly, and I'll be real about it. It's kind of like you sneeze. something yeah. comes out and you're kind of like, right. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, you know, you cough, like something happens. So I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Mm. Um, but apparently I had been. And I go, I get the fetal monitor on and I was shaking. I remember I was sitting in the chair and I was just shaking because I had never been in that room before. What I actually found comfort in was two other pregnant women came in and they, they just tossed their bag onto one of the side tables. The other one tossed it, just put it on the floor and sat down. And she put her hands up as if she had been going in there, maybe, I don't know for how long. Mm-hmm. But it brought me comfort to see how comfortable they were and how, you know, they addressed the woman that was putting the monitors on by her first name. Like they had known her. Mm-hmm. So in my head, it kind of gave me a little bit more comfort of like, OK, so I'm in good hands,
1: mm-hmm. I
2: think. But I still don't know what's going on. Yeah. So then the woman then comes over to me. She takes it off. She goes, OK, you can go back to the uh, waiting area I, and the doctor will see you soon. So I go off. Oh, Oh, is there anything I should tell him? He goes, now the doctor will come out and tell you. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm just going to waddle my way over to the other waiting area, which only has my husband in it. It's separate from the general waiting area. So I go over to him. The doctor shows up and he goes, okay, so this is what you're going to do. I already called the hospital across the street. You're going to go across the street. They're going to induce you and you're going to have the baby. You have to have the baby in the next 24 hours wow my husband and I just sat there for a moment to the point that the doctor was like you have to go they are waiting for you because Mm -hmm. in that moment you know you don't it's not how I pictured it yeah and we, I started shaking again I was all nervous and my husband's like okay like should we do we call family? Do we call our friends? Like, who can go to our apartment to get your hospital bag? Like, do you even have that packed? And I'm like, yeah, I got my hospital bag packed. Of course I do. <laughs> you know, like, I'm um, have that for four weeks. Get I've, on the, get on the train. Ha- yeah. Like <laughs> I'm like, I got it. Don't worry. I even had his stuff. I had like his stuff in a separate duffel bag. I was like, I got <laughs> worry. Um, and at this point, I was 30, 37 weeks. Um, so mason was due his due date was for august 15th and at this time it was august 2nd so i go across the street to the hospital we walk in security guard doesn't even stop us because Brett, my husband Brett just points like, like crazy points at, at my this. belly like yeah. this is happening and he lets us go we go up and i'm sitting now in in triage just waiting to be assigned to labor and delivery room. Luckily, I had always carried my hospital registration papers with me. Um, So I had that ready to go. And I was like, well, if there's anything I have in this little tiny purse that I decided, like a cross body purse, that I decided to carry with me today, I have my registration papers, here you go. then we sat there and we sat there. And then my OB, who I comes out and she checks on me, sees how I'm doing. I'm not feeling anything. I'm not feeling any, no contract. I have no contractions. I have no, nothing out of the ordinary for me externally. It's just another day being pregnant, Sarah. And yeah. instead she comes up to me and she goes, okay, so here's the deal. You're, you, the amount of fluid you have left, um, you could either be induced today However, you technically have till next Wednesday. So it was a Friday. And she goes, you technically have till next Wednesday if you want to see uh, if you can make it that long and we can induce you next Wednesday. And I look at her, I go, I'm already here. Yeah. What do you mean? Like, I, I can't wait. Yeah, the guy across the street is
1: like, I had to go here now.
2: But I go, no, it, do it. Do it today. I'm, I'm getting yeah. admitted today. It's happening today. And while I'm waiting, you know, Brett's checking on me and he's like, do, do you have any pains? Is there anything going on? Does, does the baby, does the baby? you know, does have those flutters, stopped? Yeah. And I said, no, he's, he's moving, still very yeah. active. He's moving.
1: He's fine. And isn't that weird too? Like when you're being told, oh, there's this like very distressing thing that's happening right now. And the baby's just like, doop, 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 doop. Do, and yeah. you're like, and then, nothing's yeah. wrong. Yeah. Like nothing's
2: wrong. And the whole time I'm trying to stay as calm as possible. And I was honestly speaking to Mason in my belly. And I was like, it's going to be okay. Mommy and daddy are here. We're we are going to get through this. We're going yeah. to get through this. It's going to be fine. And then in the meantime, there, you know there, there's other expecting mamas coming in there. And they're having very different experiences than I am, which was right. also um, a little frightening in itself to see that to the point that I almost thought like maybe there is something wrong because I'm not feeling
1: right
2: I'm not going through these you know pains that these women are clearly displaying um and that also raised my level of concern with almost just how it was almost like it's you know when they say in movies like it's quiet too quiet like it's like one of those like this is calm and it's too calm um so eventually you know I got admitted into a labor and delivery room and i mean it was just so much waiting yeah. um i had gotten into the labor and delivery room probably early afternoon like probably like by noon mm-hmm. um on that friday and i looked at the nurse and i remember the nurse looking at me and she goes, it's it's going to be okay, Sarah, and I I don't know why hearing it from her eased my nerves a little bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: And she and then she goes, so when would you like the epidural? And I that's when I was like, I can get it. Yeah. When can I get? I can get. You the were epidural? like two weeks ago. Yeah. I was like, when can I can get the epidural? And she said, she goes, well, she goes, you can get it whenever you would like it's up to you and she goes oh all of that stuff is in the movies and the show she goes you don't have to wait if you don't want to she goes but if you want to we will respect that which again I appreciated hearing that um and I decided that I was like I don't I just just give me the epidural I was like I don't want yeah. I'm, I'm honest personally I'm not very good with needles um so getting all the blood work and everything done throughout the pregnancy to you know, being in hospital and getting rehooked up all again to things, yeah, its just didn't yeah. go very well for me. Um so I said, okay, give me the epidural. They gave me the epidural. I think I cut off Brett's uh, circulation to the rest of his body because I was just trying to oh, eat yeah. so hard. Um and I and then they said well if, you know you're going to have to stay in the bed until the baby uh, comes and I said okay so now now what And we go, well we're just going to keep monitoring um, your you know all of your vitals you know your blood pressure your heart rate the babies um, but we are going to come in and induce you in a couple of hours mm. so I'm like oh, okay wow. so now I'm swaddling my thumbs kind of just like it It just felt like this prolonged waiting period yeah free like, up
1: Wait, Something's wait, happening.
2: Wait. Like the doctor told me to go and now I'm here and now you're making And now, okay. They came in, they broke my water for me. That was interesting. Um, I, I was very, I was embarrassed. Um, and I already started feeling pretty down on myself. Like why couldn't I carry him uh, to his due date? Even though I was already considered full term. Um, I was already having those thoughts when they broke my water because in my head I thought to myself like you know as I as I'm a lot of parents I'm sure may feel that you picture it happening differently maybe a little bit more like oh don't just walk across the street and go get induced Um, but for me I was already feeling that guilt of like why
1: right
2: why couldn't I have made it and then I kept hearing the tech asking me in my head um have you been drinking a lot of water so then I'm like have I been did I not drink enough water like did I not is it like should I have tried not being vegetarian and really forcing myself to eat the food which I knew I would you know it would all come back up anyway so all of these thoughts are going through my head they yeah. induced me and um I just wasn't my service just services didn't want to open. Um, so they had me induced. I had to wait for four hours. Still wasn't all, uh, opening up enough. So then they said, okay, two more hours, and it's two more hours. So I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. It's crazy to think now about how the delivery happened because it's almost like with my personal experience, I lost track of time which is exactly what happened when we went to the NICU. You just lose track of time. You don't realize when the day becomes night. Um, you kind of just jolt anytime a doctor comes in. So through the night, they were just monitoring me. Um, and they said, well, it doesn't, at this point right now, it doesn't look like he's going to come, but we're just going to keep on popping in and checking on you so then they kept waking me up throughout the night um to check on me and to check my vitals and they're like nope still not ready yet and I'm like oh my goodness when is he gonna come out Yeah. so going to the next day it was um Saturday August 3rd and Mason was born mm-hmm. <laughs> and he it was one forty
1: one p.m. wow so that's like was like a full day right since you had been over yes yes so they said okay it's time
2: to push I pushed for just a little bit under an hour and then he was born I heard him cry and then I apparently I went into like a panic attack um I remember yelling to Brett to go check on him I was like you need to check on him make sure he's okay I'm fine but apparently I was in so much distress that the nurse told Rhett to stay with me um, and just keep the oxygen mask on me. Uh, and then I guess when I mm-hmm. came back, I, I don't remember that whole part. I remember hearing him cry and then I just remember freaking out. Um, mm-hmm. And then I don't know what the time was in between that.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: the next thing I know, they're putting Nathan in my arms and we're looking at him and then a few minutes later my um, husband is looking at him and he's my Mason's turning purple. Mm-hmm. His arms, his legs, his his body, he just started to turn purple. And I I have never I've I have never seen that before. It's it is frightening. Mm-hmm. Um he just and in my head I, I was telling him like he just got here. Don't like, just please don't. Like, it, he just got here. I just got him, and Brett immediately ran out. Um, and it was almost just kind of like a like a tornado came in. Like they just took him out of my arms. They put him in um, to that little clear, uh, like kind of like not fully hooked up by uh, incubator. Um, and they were like, we're going to take him, we're going to take him to just go get further uh, some tests done. we're just going to check him out and we'll come back to you. And I just kind of like, I didn't have any words. So I just waved. I on I just waved at him like, I'll, I'll see you mm-hmm. soon. Like, I didn't know what to say because I, I was just like mid holding him for the first mm-hmm. few minutes and then he turned purple. So then they came in and they swooped him out. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what to feel. I didn't know what was going on until we uh, got to my the postpartum unit. And I was in the bed and my family and my, our immediate family was there. And the doctor comes in and says, you need, I, I need to speak with the parents, which I remember feeling really strange because mm-hmm. no one had ever called us the parents, parents before. Right. And, yeah, yeah, And it hit, and it hit me weird and I didn't like it. Because I was like, why does she need to speak to us so privately? And the only things I heard out of her mouth were that Mason had been admitted into the NICU. And then it happened again where I just, everything was muffled. And Mm -hmm. again, as I mentioned before, Brett is very calm. And he's very good at receiving information. Whereas I am a little bit more impulsive with my reaction to things. So the whole time, I didn't even look at the doctor. I just watched Brett's face to see where I needed to be. Um, And when Brett, when the doctor left and Brett just looked at me, he kind of, like, his shoulders just dropped a little bit. And then I started screaming. Mm. Um, I just started screaming. And I I didn't even know exactly what it was. I just started screaming, like, what does he need? Does he need, does he need my lungs? Does he need more blood? Does he need my, like, what What does he need? Um, and I remember just being like, just take, take me. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't take it. Don't take this out. Whatever it is, just what What does he need? I can give it to him. If I can give it to him, even if I can't give it to him, just take it from me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was screaming so loud and I couldn't, I, I couldn't even see Brett anymore. Um, apparently at some point I had screamed for my mom mm-hmm. and she, all of a sudden I felt like a really heavy weight on my chest and I felt a hand on my face and it was my mom mm-hmm. and she was just holding me and she's like, Sarah, I'm, it's mom. She calls me Sweet pea. And she was mm-hmm. Sweet I'm here. She was, I'm, I'm with you. It's okay here. We're both here. She goes, so now Brett's going to explain what happened. And it took me a really long time to come down from that. I don't know how long I was screaming for. Um, I didn't didn't care how loud I was screaming because it was like crying. It was just crying. Mm -hmm. Um, And Brett had told me that uh, while Mason had cried at birth his lungs didn't inflate so they stayed the size of raisins and mm-hmm. i thought to myself how is that possible that can't be right mm-hmm. i'm i'm a full term i'm full term how could his lungs not have developed mm-hmm. and they, they said they go this it, it was it's hard because you know you don't want to be upset with the people that are are taking care of your your baby of your warrior but you're just, you're in that moment of like, but well, give me answers. It's going back to that feeling of like, I just want answers. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to know if there's something I could have done during yeah. my pregnancy to help him build his lungs. And they said, it's the it happens. This happens. And sure enough, um, I stayed in the room and I tried getting as much colostrum that I could get for him um and it wasn't until later that night that Brett came over and asked me um do you want to go see Mason and I was it was an immediate yes and I mean I remember the nurse coming in and sitting me in my chair in my wheelchair and I remember her putting her hand on my shoulder and she's like we're going to take it to your son he's he's in the NICU and I just like hearing the word the NICU I was like it seems so foreign to me Mm -hmm. like I don't I, I still don't I remember being like I don't know where I'm going that sounds like such a faraway place like he I had that constant thought of like that he should be here he should be in a little like that little clear crib that they bring in that I've seen that I've seen from my family from my from my friends like just seeing that he's next to me and he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And then being wheeled in, I wanted to just jump out of my chair to just hold him. But then I, it, that realization hit me that I, I couldn't. He was mm-hmm. in the incubator. Um, he had a feeding tube. He had, uh, he was hooked up to CPAP. Um, and they had basically tried to tell us, again, Brett was, a lot better at receiving the information, but they are like, we're just trying to help him build his lungs up. And then we have to check and make sure that he's not developing any infections through this. Um, He's been fed uh, through, you know, just seeing that little really, really teeny thin tube being in his mouth and then seeing, you know, his little tiny hand with the needle in it, trying to give him the nutrients that he needed. And I felt like I failed him. I, I just kept saying how sorry I loved him. And I was, I was leaning over him. I was like, I'm just, I'm so sorry. Like, I, what can I do? Like, what can I, can can I give you? And I remember the nurse being just right there with me and she said, would you like to hold him? And, you know, I would love to. And then when I held him, it wasn't the way that I had just held him a few hours ago, which is when he was free of all the cords, free of all the wires. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: holding him, I just felt horrible. I, I was like, this is not, this is not how it was supposed to be, Mason. And I just kept telling him that, um, that I, I told him, I said, this, this had to be, this is mommy's fault um i didn't want him to feel even though he was just and i didn't want him to feel that anything was his fault mm. um and so i told him i said i'm i'll carry this this is this is me um and i'm so sorry uh and it was really hard and then putting him I couldn't put him, when the nurse had to come over and take him out of my arms, that was really hard because I couldn't even lay my own baby back down into a bassinet. Um, I couldn't do any of those things. Um, And the fact that I had to walk away from him or be wheeled away from him was so difficult. Um, and I had asked, you know, can I sleep next to him? Can I just stay here? And they had, they, you, you forget, you forget that you, you you just had a baby, like your body is yeah, also going right, through. Right, yeah. Your body is going through its own level of trauma. Yeah. So on top of your body going through a physical trauma of giving birth to a child, and now you have this new trauma entering um, that you have no control over mm-hmm. and you're being taken away from someone that used carried. For, for me, it was 37 weeks. Um, it's heartbreaking. It's yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah. And then for the rest of the week, so Mason was in the NICU for a week. Um, and I think the hardest day was being discharged without him. Uh, you yeah. there with me. Um, that is something I think that a lot of people, uh, they don't talk about it. And it's hard for me to talk about it because I can it it brings me right back there. I know exactly where I was standing in the elevator, and it was full of people, and I felt alone. You know, Brett was standing with me, and there's all these people in there, and I felt completely alone. Um, We didn't have him with us. Mm -hmm. We didn't have Mason. wasn't in the little baby carrier. They didn't. No one was there to greet us when we left. You didn't have like the family homecoming because right. he was in the NICU. Yeah. Um, and coming home, I remember going into our apartment and walking into the bedroom and I was hovering over his empty bassinet and I just kept mm. crying so hard the point was similar to how hard I was crying outside of the hospital. I, I mean, as soon as we stepped out of the hospital, I was hovering over on the sidewalk crying as we were waiting for an Uber to pick us up. Yeah. Um, and waiting for the car to pick us up, I cried the whole way home. And then I held it together, walking through a lobby. And as soon as we got in, I saw the empty bassinet and I lost it all over again. To the point that you feel like you're going to get sick yeah. because mm-hmm. you're crying so hard. And I just kept on crying and crying and crying. And it never, I I don't know if I stopped. Like I remember waking up the next morning and being like, "Right, right, we've got to get it together. We're going to see Mason. We set up a schedule. And for the rest of the week, we had a schedule that I would do all of my pumping uh, in the mornings at home. Brett would go to the NICU and be with him as soon as the sun came up. And that was our plan. And I would come join them when I was done. Um, but waking up every day and seeing an empty bas- bassinet mm-hmm. next to my bed where he should have been, it was almost just reminding me of mm-hmm. feeling that guilt and that feeling like I failed him
1: yeah.
2: um, because you carry that on you. Um, and, you know, he developed jaundice. So we came back one day mm-hmm. and he looked like he was sunbathing. And I didn't know what, I didn't know what was going on. So I freaked right. out and the nurse came running over and she's like, it's okay, sir. He's, 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 he, he's, he's okay. He's okay. And I was like, is it like, what, what is jaundice? What does that mean? What does that mean? She goes, "He just needs to take, you know, <laughs> we have to help him clear so out the, what is that? The Billy Rubin, Billy Rubin, mm-hmm. right. Out yeah. of their belly. And um, luckily he went through all of his tests. He didn't develop any, um, no infections were developed, but his lungs were just really, you know, taking their time to form. Um, the first time they took him off the uh, CPAP machine, I was freaking out again because they said, well, you know, we're going to try and see how he does, but if he needs to go back in, uh, he's going to, need a, he, you won't be able to hold him as much as you usually do when you're here. Um, and I thought okay what is so I can hold him until you think that he needs to like he, do you need am I going to watch you put a machine back on him and they go well we might have to if he gets if his oxygen levels drop too low so I was like okay well all right So then I'd hold him for like 15-20 minutes and then the nurse would call him and say I'm so sorry I have to put him back in and it's just like that happened throughout the day and anytime I walked away to go eat like luckily we had wonderful family and friends that would send meals to the hospital for us. But every time I walked away, I was like, well, what if I come back? And they're trying to, you know, just what if something happens to him while I walk away for those yeah. like two seconds?
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: I, I pumped next to him. I read him books. I sang very quietly to him. Um Anything that I could do. I told him about the outside and I, anytime I walked, anytime I left, I would just want to turn around and go right back in. So if I left the hospital for the night, I'd get home, see the empty bassinet again. I'd be like, I just want to be back there. Like, why why did this have to happen? Mm-hmm. Um yeah. you know, I it just it, the whole time I was just like, Why why? I did everything right. I did everything I was supposed to do. And this is what happened. Like, what did I do wrong the entire time? Um, and luckily he we're very happy that One day that I came in and it was the day before that he got discharged. Um, I came in and there was nothing on him. There were no wires and I started crying. And I remember looking at him and he didn't even have the clear covering over him. He wasn't an incubator. He was in a regular, those little tiny roller cribs. And I just looked at him. I remember being like, this is how it should have been. This is this, this is what other moms have, and I was so happy in that moment, and then I was so sad because I realized how much was missed yeah. in that. Um, I didn't get to do that, like you know, oh everybody, come here's the baby, like oh he's me being laying in the hospital bed and him being in that little roller crib next to me. And people coming in and wanting to see him and all those happy faces, we didn't have any of that because we couldn't because they also limited, you know, the visitors to the NICU. Um, so it made me feel really isolated, um, as happy as I was to see him and that his lungs thankfully developed in the amount of time that they did. I was very, very grateful uh, that they were able to form for him to be healthy enough. And then they said, we're going to see how he does for the night now that he's completely off everything. But then that made me worry even more. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, well, now you've become almost so dependent yeah. on these machines. How do you know? And right?
1: Like, yeah. how
2: do you know? Like, I'm like, I know the nurses are there. Um, and they are, they really are angels. Uh, they really are. And I thought to myself, okay, well, if, if as long as my nurse says Nurse Donna. And I go, as long as Nurse Donna is here he's going to be okay. He'll be fine. And I didn't sleep that night. I mean I didn't really sleep any of the nights, but I really didn't sleep that night cuz the entire time I felt like what if I get a phone call? How far is it? Would it be physically possible for me to run? No, because my body's still healing. Okay. But Brett can run. <laughs> like I thought like I can make this work. We can make it. we can make this happen. And um luckily we came in the next day and He passed all those little end tests of the hearing um, and making sure that all of, you know, he was still clear of any infections. And I just remember him getting put into his little mini, tiny little car seat. And he was this little tiny thing. And Brett was just reminding me, he goes, you know, one day this will all be a memory. That's what he got. That's what he would say throughout the week. And he goes, and we will tell him about this memory. He goes, we'll tell him and we'll tell him about what we did. And we'll tell him about what you went through. Um, and he goes, and it's going to be okay. So, I mean, and when we took him, it was, it was August 9th of 2019, 12, 23
1: p.m. And I mean, really, I mean, if you think about it, from the second you heard the word cysts, right? Mm-hmm. To maybe, to like maybe there was a couple minutes after he was put in your arms until he came home. You were in a place of fight or flight, like c- concern, worry, uncertainty all the time, right? All the so time. Then, wh- so, what was it like transitioning home then? I mean, because in some ways, it's what you ex- anticipate you'll do with your baby. And then on the other hand, it's like, where are all the safety nets? Right. No, for me it was more like, you know, parents
2: always have told us when I was pregnant, they'd be like, oh, you're gonna always wanna like hold a mirror under his nose and make sure they're still breathing. But now with Mason actually having Mm -hmm. issues with his lungs in the first place, I was just like, is he, I'm serious, like, is he breathing? Like, is, is he okay? I would wake up in the, like at any hour, just trying to kind of peek over and just try and see the color of his skin, cause I will never get that image out of my head of watching my child turn purple. Um, and it was terrifying. I didn't want anybody to come. I really didn't want people to come over. Um, right. Even with my immediately immediate family being there, it, it was a little stressful because, you know, naturally you're a new mom, you're a NICU mom. Um, and I don't have the, again, quote, normal homecoming. Um, and I'm wondering like, is he going to, is he going to eat? Is he going to take my breast milk? He was doing a mixture of breast milk and formula at the NICU. Am I messing with his schedule? Is he going to know that he's not in this, that safety net of the NICU nurses and healthcare professionals? Can he tell? Um, any 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 of that and it was a constant wondering of like okay I what can I do for him he's home and now it's just Brett and I what can we do to make him happy and stable and healthy you just realize that anything can happen and those are fears that I never realized even when I was pregnant and Mm -hmm. definitely not before being pregnant um Yeah. So, yeah. And it was hard for people to understand.
1: Yeah. I think,
0: Sarah, throughout the episode, I think what you illustrate so well is, while maybe a, quote, shorter, because there's no such thing as a short NICU stay, two seconds and the NICU is long. You know, you illustrate so well that even a, quote, shorter stay and a longer NICU stay, they share this theme of – the pain and agony of being separated from your child. And to somebody who's not a NICU mom, maybe on the outside, they look at it and they see, oh, you were only in there for a week. You know, like it must've not been that bad. Good thing you didn't have, you know, like some of those babies. And so I wonder you know, how did, did you feel understood? Did your trauma feel understood by those around you? Or did you ever feel dismissed by that at all?
2: Dismissed at times. It was more like people would say things and they don't know. It's not, it's not their fault. Right. You know, because if they don't have, if they don't have children or if they don't have, they, if they've never had a NICU stay, um, right. they're not going to know those things. And it's hard to to separate that because, I'm, you know, I was already so angry with myself. So Mm -hmm. how do I not also put that on people who really just don't understand? Um, And it was difficult because people would say like, oh, well, he was only there for a week. He's fine. Mm -hmm. And I've actually realized that those are one of my trigger words is the word only. Um, Because if that time is revisited, and if it's Someone says like, "Oh, well, how long was he there for?" And I was like, "Oh, he's there for a week. Oh, only a week. We'll see." Mm. Then everything was fine, and I'm like, "Do you know what that mm. did to me?" Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: And then, and then it's that same thing. of like, "Well, I don't want to get into it with you now because now I'm yeah. upset, and I don't want to. You know, we're trying to have a nice time here, and now we can not." And right. it was really hard. It was hard to explain to people. It was hard to. It was it was difficult to even try and explain that to to family. And again, yeah. not their fault. Not their fault. Right. But it's something, you know, that a Nikki mom goes through or if someone said, Well, at least right. at least he didn't get any infections And I'm like right. At least he didn't get any infections? I right. am so thankful because yeah. I saw plenty of other Warriors in the NICU that we're going through, you know, because you connect with those other NICU parents, yeah, and you hear what's going on, and you, you know, you're going through your own personal struggles, but all you want to do is hug these other parents that are going mm-hmm. through their struggles, right, right? Which makes the NICU such a special place. Um, people just don't talk about the NICU. Uh, I was personally, I wasn't educated on it at all. Right. You just knew, like, when you heard NICU, you're like, oh, scary. That's not good. But then when you're in it, you're in the best care ever. So then you realize really how how lucky you are that you are in the care of people who work in the NICU. But with people who don't understand and they do say things like, well, at least he's there for a week. Or at least you were able to go see him every day and be next to him. Or, well, if you think about it, and I'm mm. like, oh, I As have if you've thought, never thought about it. <laughs> I have, uh, I have definitely right. thought every right. second of every day when I was there and when I was not there. And every little part in between of me getting there and getting home. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, oh, I thought. Um, and it was it was difficult to. Let them understand that they were very like, well, you should be thankful that he's home, and like you think that I'm not. <laughs> and again, then you're trying to also manage, you know, you're you're still going through also all the the hormones, the postpartum hormones. Um, I was trying to figure things out if, you know, am I doing enough for him? Am I being right. present enough for him? But at the same time, for me, I was, for me, I was just exclusively pumping. Um, so I was pumping every two to three hours. Um, and it was more just kind of like, okay, make sure he's fed and your body is your, your body's in an adrenaline rush basically the whole time. But I did feel very misunderstood because it's almost kind of like, well, then you just pump and you feed them and then you change them. And I'm like, but you don't understand all of the pain that I'm going through trying to do each of these things because I'm remembering, I know what I, I know where he could go back to. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I'm thankful again to have the NICU, you don't really wanna bring your baby back there. Um, I know that some some uh, people refer to it as toxic positivity, where it's like their intentions are good and it's meant to mean well, but it has that reverse effect on the person who's receiving it to which they put that blame then on themselves yeah. of like, oh, I should be thankful. You're right, I should be thankful, or oh you're right, it really was only this amount of time. Right, right. And I'm like and it, it it took me a long time to try and I still do work on that. Um to try and really
1: wrap my head around the fact that it wasn't my fault. Was there an aha uh-huh moment or where, what were some of the things that helped you, you know, cause I think that's a really, really common, as unique as all of our stories are, that's a really common underline, right? This is my right. fault. This is my one job, right? right. Uh, so what were some of the things that, that helped you um, heal from that? Um, writing. I actually, um,
2: writing, I decided you know, one day I was just—I felt like I was losing my mind. Um, I felt really alone. Um, I didn't want to talk to any family or friends about it because they hadn't been through it. So in my head, I'm like, "Well, no one is going to understand." And I went online and I was looking for mom communities, which I love mom communities. But I was like, "Wait, but I need something more specific because none of them are—they're talking about yes, we all have very different experiences and very challenging experiences, but." This is very specific with the NICU, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, someone else has to be feeling this, feeling like this. Someone, there's somebody out there. And then I thought to myself, well, I could also be that somebody for someone. So I decided to start writing, um, and I found that that's very healing for me. Um, I'm not usually very good at having a verbal conversation about Mason's NICU's day um, I tend to eventually start breaking down I mean I know I started to do it before but um but it's really hard to explain to people that don't understand the NICU um and then when you start crying in front of them they're just it kind of gets a little disconnected because you're like ah, I really try I, it's so hard to revisit those days because it is just like it just happened right yeah um so for me it's really writing and just sharing and saying like this is what happened to me and i want you to know that that you're going to be okay it will take time everybody's on their own timeline but for me just writing about it and sharing what happened to me and being as open as i possibly could be in my writing um so that if another mom read it that who was who was or is a nikki mama that she would know that there is someone else out there um and then i also found dear nikki mama <laughs> i found <laughs> you two lovely <laughs> ladies <laughs> <laughs> and i started reading the letters <laughs> i start. that's what i started doing i started reading the letters um, on your website. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, <laughs> these women get
0: it. Like,
1: they do yeah. yeah. No, that's really powerful. and know. I think that that's, that's wise because, um, you may or may not know this, but actually I are, I are verbal processors. <laughs> so <laughs> we love to talk what? about it. What? We were like, we're traumatized, better start a podcast. <laughs> um, so I love the idea though, that like, there is no one way to heal. And the idea is like, that creativity can be in a lot of different ways, right? You can take yeah. a lot of different forms, and how that in itself can be a form of of healing. So the fact that you listen to your instinct, which which wasn't like, I want to. I need to talk with a family member, which may be right for someone else, right? But you're saying, "What I need to do is, I need to process it in this way." That's very wise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And dear Nikki Mama has helped me in
2: more ways that I could write about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, so many ways.
0: I I remember vividly when you, because you wrote a letter for us. We'll link it in the show notes. But I remember along with the wedding wedding pictures. Yeah, along with pictures. Um, But there were full term mamas. I remember on Instagram who commented on it and said, I finally feel seen and heard like this letter resonated with me because that full term NICU journey can feel kind of isolating because, you know, it's like you're not the little itty bitty baby in the NICU. You're the big eight pound baby in the NICU. And then, you know, maybe if you're stay with was shorter than you're also, you know, so it's like, I I just remember vividly moms commenting on your post and saying this letter spoke to me. Like I feel this in my bones because it's written by another full term Nikki mama who can put her thoughts and emotions into words so beautifully. So, um, Again, that's when we fell in love with you. So I'm glad you shared that letter. <laughs> but Thanks, yeah. I remember just vividly the comments on there from other full term moms, and and so your gift of writing really has encouraged and blessed other moms. So maybe as we kind of close out this episode, um, you know, what encouragement would you give to other full term Nikki moms? And you know, what words of love would you offer them as we kind of as we kind of close out your episode?
2: I mean. Honestly, do you know what I I do? Anytime I'm about to go somewhere new, I wear, I wear the um, "You are braver than you feel" t-shirt. Mm-hmm. It just brings me, it just brings me so much strength. Um, I I feel like okay, and I look at Mason and I go, "We got this. We mm-hmm. we went. We we got through the NICU. We got we got this. Mommy and me class." You know, and I'm thankful to be able to say that today. Um, But to the NICU mamas, whether you're past or present, you have and you had every right to feel the way you did or do when -hmm. you were in the NICU. And you have every right to feel the way you do after the NICU. And One big takeaway that I am really embracing um, is that just always remember that no matter how exhausted you may look or how messy things may seem, or if you just, if you're crying or you're, you're frustrated or you're frazzled, you know, you may see yourself that way, but your warrior will always look at you as their mama. They just be mama. And you did
1: so much, you did so much and you did such a great job. Mm.
0: So beautiful.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, at the, is there any greater compliment than just being called mama and Mm. you're their world? That's so, that's so beautiful such an important reminder yeah that's
2: it every time you whisper into their incubator that you're there they know it's you Mm
0: -hmm. they they know yeah
2: Yeah. you've got this mama
0: well miss sarah We love you. We've said that a few times throughout the episode, but it's just been so special to hear so many of the intricate details of your story today. And so thank you for opening up your heart and sharing it with this amazing NICU mom community. And so to the full-term NICU mamas who maybe have been labeled as, quote, shorter stays or, um, quote, uneventful or at least Um, We just want to remind you, Mama, that your trauma is significant. And just like what Sarah said, you have every right to feel every way that you have felt. And so just know that the sisterhood is a sisterhood that um, does not have ranks of greater stays. Um, Your stay is valued and honored and celebrated here. And so we hope that you felt loved and affirmed. And as always, thank you for being here in this space with us. Um, it's such an honor to do this work and to know each of you. And so uh, we will be ne- back next week, but um,
1: we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Talk to you soon. If you love this podcast and would like to hear more amazing stories, please consider becoming a member of the Dear you Mama Patreon page. In addition to special merchandise and early access to content, Patreon members support the mission, programs, and services of Dear NICU Mama. You can find the link on the description of this episode. As always, if you'd like to hear more from Dear NICU Mama, click subscribe. Welcome to the Sisterhood.